Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango in 2014. This is a film podcast with me, David Reed, and Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. <laughs> Hello, David. You changed introduction? Yeah. Thought for your benefit, it's a new year, new change. Well, a bit different. Technically, we're recording this on the 31st of December. Oh, you ruined the magic. What I've realised, listen back to the last few podcasts, Yeah. the first five minutes is just me banging on about the introduction. <laughs> yeah, so you've decided to get turn straight, over a new leaf. Get straight into it. Get straight into it. Well, this is going to be our rundown of all of the films that we saw. You know, we're not Mark Commode, uh, of in 2013, um, which is a hell of a lot of films. I Mark, mean, Mark Commode's face is starting to get odder, isn't it? Is it? I've not seen him recently. I watched him do a film review. He picks out films that are uh, his great films, the films that I hate. Right. Last year, he picked out one. His favourite film of the year was... Oh. I can't even remember it. There's no internet. That's a terrible start. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about our films of 2013. 2013. Well, um, how are we going to do this? We've compiled the list, haven't we? We can go alter, alternate, alternately of films we thought were good. Well, um, I've got. I kept a film diary this year. You did. Why don't you talk us through it? So, is I, it a good read? Do you think you'll try and publish no, it? No, all I did. <laughs> My film diary is me writing down the name of the film yeah. and then how many Marics I get out of ten. Okay. And there's a system of a tick by it if I've already seen that film before. Yeah. Because sometimes our guests brought in films we'd already seen and I put a star if it's a new release. So, you're... so if it's released in 2013. So the start of the year I saw a lot of films that were released 2012. Yes. So I saw a total of... Here is the numbers for you. I saw 156 films. Blimey. Of that... 156. Uh, 91 I had not seen before. More that's than three that. films a I week. I think that's wrong. No, no, no. I no. is three films a week. Yeah. Exactly. Is it really? Yeah, 52 weeks. Three films a week, that's quite good, isn't it? That's not bad. thing is, I do do some work every now and then. <laughs> yeah, so uh, of those 156 films, I'd seen 23 of them before. Okay. So there's... 133 new films 42 of those were released in 2013 okay 
This is sounding a bit autistic. No, now. that's fine. I'm, so I'm what, liking how you're your own super fan. It's yeah. like <laughs> this is the kind of thing that somebody at home would do, and it would frighten us when they emailed to tell us. I just wanted to be specific about. It. So I'm going to. I couldn't pick out a top five. I'm going to Marek's Magic Seven. Okay. And I'm going to do one Marek's Magic Seven released in 2013. Yeah. And also because a lot of films I saw were released in 2012 and earlier films I hadn't seen before of films I saw last year and never Magic Seven. Which I really enjoyed and will recommend. All right. Well, when you do your 2013 Magic Seven, can I then do my seven? Then, if I'm getting seven, yeah. Before we move on to the other thing, yeah. Good. What are your seven from this year? Yeah. Okay. So, in no particular order, my seven are. We'll talk for a bit for each of these. Um, the best comedy of the year was Alpha Papa, and that is in my top seven. I okay. thought it, was, it really made me laugh. The fact that uh, we talked about Steve Coogan can sing along to Roachford in the car for three minutes in his car mirror, yeah. and I could watch that. I looked it up on YouTube to see if someone had uploaded it, so I could watch it again because I found that so funny. That is a sign that you like a character. I know it faded in the second half and maybe it has that age-old problem that comedies don't necessarily translate into dramas, but I thought that the character was so strong and he was Steve Coogan is so brilliant and so funny that I'm willing to forgive not the greatest plot because his character is one of the greatest characters in the 21st it's, and 20th century. It's very true. I thought it was fantastically funny. It did leave me slightly cold dramatically. Exactly what you said. But I don't think it, they are mutually exclusive. I don't because I saw a film that's on my list, and yeah. it, from your recommendation, I saw it yesterday. So it just crept into my list and might be my favourite film of the year. Was mm. the Heat? Oh, with Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. It definitely in my uh, magical seven, and I, I thought it succeeded brilliantly in being both funny and. Uh, dramatically pushing forward. So, so you, so it's in your top seven. Yeah. And did you think? Because I spoke about it briefly before that when you first watched the first two minutes of Sandra Bullock, do you worry about the film? I worried it was just going to be more of the same because I've seen her do something similar in Miss Congeniality and Miss mm-hmm. Congeniality Two, but the script was clearly better in this one. It's just just that little bit, something extra. I found her very funny. The the character trait of trying to control everything even when you don't know what's going on is very funny and they used it brilliantly but it's when Melissa McCarthy enters that the, the film just gets knocked up a notch she's amazing don't you think phenomenal but I thought the two of them worked really well together it wasn't mm. it felt to me like um, watching the remake of 21 Jump Street where you've just got two two performers who are brilliantly funny in completely different ways but for some reason are working really well together I, I think that Miss McCarthy was amazing. Yeah. And should be nominated for an Oscar, but she won't be. She was, she's already been nominated for a comedic role in Bridesmaid. Really? Yeah. But this, was it... Do you not think this is... A, this is su- far superior. Bridesmaids, which she made a rather boring character on paper brilliant in Bridesmaids, but this is phenomenal. She's amazing. I'm surprised you liked it. I thought it was really good, but it didn't make my top seven. Really? No. No, I think it might be my favourite film of the year. Well, and the Heat Two is going to, is in uh, going to be made as well. Is it? Yeah. Oh, good. I am glad. And some people kindly sent me the trailers for Twenty Two Jump Street, which is out next year, which is one of my favourites. Awesome. Right, so we're both given a one of our films of um, twenty thirteen. What else you got? I'll go for one at the start of the year. Um, 
which you didn't like. <laughs> Cloud Atlas. Yeah. I didn't say I didn't like it. I say it was a bizarre film. The choices were funny. The choices the filmmakers had made I found funny. Tom Hanks playing in that sort of Irish character was... Baffling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Hugh so Grant was, it was always baffling. just... Yeah. No, Hugh Grant was, was you know, great. I mean, you know, it was just such an odd mix of genres. But uh, for me, it was the use of prosthetics that just... A bold attempt, but it distracted from every story. For me. There was a couple of bad prosthetics that Hugh Grant had as an old man. But uh, Cloud Atlas was, was based on David Mitchell's book. I should explain what the films are, actually. Yeah, but uh, we've gone through a lot of them before. Yeah, so Cloud Atlas is, is based on David Mitchell's book. It's basically um, a, a story of almost the same characters reappearing in different times and different worlds. It's and a series all of short stories where they are associated with each other or have had an impact on each other through history, aren't they? Yeah. And But the uh, choice of the Wachowskis was to cast the same sort of six or seven people mm. in every single one, but put them in heavy prostheses. So you've got um, Hugh Grant playing a, a Korean man in the future, and you've got the Korean actress from that one playing a Caucasian blonde woman in, uh, in sort of, uh, uh, yes, the 1700s or whatever. And it, it's bizarre. I thought. I thought the idea that everyone's souls are inexplicably certain people's souls are uh, inexplicably linked, and the story travel back through time, not necessarily forward in 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 um, uh, forward in time, but mm. uh, hop all over time, yes. and the stories of people's lives are interrelated. It's a fascinating idea. I may have been influenced by the fact that I love the book, and David Mitchell um, has written some really uh, like Number Nine Dreams, another really good book of his. He links all his book his themes in his oh, books, and his themes linking within the books. So you get used to going to the, watch the film. I was intrigued. Is it almost a nostalgic reminder of how much you enjoyed the book, though? You just go, "Oh yeah," and uh, I think it gives you. It, it's a way of having some sort of hope that your life is <laughs> pointless. That's why I think that maybe some inane rubbish thing I do. So you're the lowest ebb in a grander narrative through time that ends ultimately happily. In the Marit Cloud, I am sort of beyond the caveman amoeba. (laughs) I'm the the first embodiment of... (laughs) Um, Sort of cannibal riding a pig sort of thing. I, I love... We talked about this. I love this film. The soundtrack is beautiful... Um, uh, I was called. Who was it by the soundtrack? Mark T- Twin, Tom Twin, Tom Twin. That's the guy. I'm so bad with. The problem is I, that's why I'm never going to do anything more than podcasts because I can't remember. <laughs> I can't retain any information. Um, but the ambition of this film and having like seven films within a film, and some of the stories are better than others, was it was great to see a Hollywood film embrace that. It's it's immense. It's immense fun. Yeah. I, w- I would never it hasn't deny got, that. hasn't it got is. the same plot structure of which of the superhero films which have completely obliterated cinema and that American arc narrative which is stapled onto every single film. Well, it's funny you should say that because I, I'll get on to my next film in a second, but I watched for the first time, because I've been berated for it and I think I've said it on this podcast before, um, I, I'd never seen It's a Wonderful Life and mm-hmm. I saw it this Christmas. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I think it's fantastic. But it's interesting what you say about The Ark, that that's one of the most famous celebrated films of all time. And 
the th- if if you're calling it a three act three act structure, the first two acts are set up. The mm. actual magical thing doesn't happen until after that, and it's only the last act that he's Ebenezer Scrooging it. You know, mm. he's only being you know shown what would happen in the final act, really. So it's it's completely against those rules, but it works. It works perfectly because you need to totally understand who he is in order for that to mean anything. Mm. No, it's interesting. I. Um, you're going to give me, so that's two from me. I have a papa. Cloud like this. I'm going to go with another Sandra Bullock to theme it that way. Gravity, I think, will be on my list. I'm not that impressed by the story or the screenplay in particular. It was very by the book, but the use of special effects and the the sheer mind-boggling choreography of how you pull something like this off and making 3D look good. Um, I thought it was absolutely beautiful and it felt like I was watching something I simply would not get that experience watching at home. Mm. So it felt like a proper cinema film and I thought it was excellent. I am not a big... The more I've... (sighs) That was my best sentence of 2013. It will be available as a ringtone. (laughs) (laughs) In the, in the new year having watched I still wa- I used to watch a lot of fi- films now I watch a bit more so like three a week roughly it's quite a lot I suppose yeah. I just don't um, enjoy special effects as much no I find you, you oh they leave me cold and that's why Gravity I really enjoyed because it's rare that when when you just when there's just special effects being thrown at my eyes mm. and I'm not they haven't bothered spending time telling me who the characters are and why there should be jeopardy. I don't like cut and paste jeopardy of just like, well, there are explosions, so their lives in danger, so jeopardy, yeah? Yeah. That, that, does, that leaves me utterly cold. I'm totally with you on that. I, li- I like a story being told. Mm. But that, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily, you know, uh, technology should have stopped with the Jim Henson era and never gone beyond it. I think yeah. it's interesting to play with it. And cinema's always been fueled because it's an event thing, by what else can we do? What else can we do? Yeah. I, I I liked Gravity. I thought it was good. I thought the story was quite boring. And Sandra Bullock left me cold and looked like some sort of space elf. She's looking a bit post-work done, isn't she? Yeah. Well, yeah. that might just be the effect of space. On the human skin. Yeah, it's, Apparently, it's really good, <laughs> particularly around just around the the outer atmosphere. Yeah. Really tightens up the cheekbones really tight and makes sure I edges of your eyes go up. It so and yeah. yeah. I mean, your neck still looks a little scraggy. It can't fix your not, neck. Nothing not can even fix your God neck. can do that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's really good for your jawline. The most upsetting thing is Kevin Bacon's neck in those <laughs> in the in his latest uh, advert that precedes every single film. Yeah. God, look at Kevin Baker's neck. That's worse than any horror film. Um, Gravity, I qu- quite enjoyed it. Some people were blown away by it, but I wasn't one of those people. No, I, I've, I saw a lot of mediocre films this year, and that one made it into my top. Right, um, my third film... Yeah. ...is another one I saw at the start of the year that has just st- stuck with me. And it, if if Gravity's a big... You say that's a has a big... It's a big screen film. Yeah. This was one that was more, I think, maybe because of the sound, had a, a bigger dramatic effect, or emotional effect on me, uh, was The Impossible, which is... It's on uh, my list as well. Starring... Um, Ewan McGregor and um, Naomi, Naomi Watts about the tsunami. Yeah. The, 
when the wave comes over and have them underwater, the, the, I was in the Curzon, which is a, in London, which is I think one of the best cinemas. So they always work. The sound is perfect. You know, it's yeah. done well because you go to some seminars, you don't know if the sound's working, which I've had that experience before, but it's all done well. And the, the sound of them going underwater and getting a, a, an emerging and the that for me was had a greater emotional effect than gravity, I've probably s- because of the story. And it's it's a, you could say a similar sort of story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also you've seen that um, sequence in a thousand films where somebody finds themselves in uh, rapid flowing water and you know is trying to grab onto a branch or a rock or anything. But I've never seen it with sort of actual jeopardy in it before. It's always in any film. It's always like. Well, as long as you don't go over the waterfall, you're fine. Mm. You know, rather than every rock, you could just bash your brains in. It, it, like, felt, it felt terrifying. Yeah, the, the, because of the sound. I think. Yeah, yeah, B- brilliantly done. No, that's why it's on my list as well. And it's one of those films where actually, when you look back at it, it, it goes pretty much by the numbers on screenplay. But they've done it so well that you're immersed in it and you don't notice. You're not going, oh, I'll bet this is where they're going next. You know, I think it's really well done. Really well done. When I bawled my eyes out of that, I cried the most. I cried quite a lot. Oh, it's really affected. Yeah, that's... That one's on my list, definitely. And it didn't didn't get much attention either, which I think is a bit of a shame. I think more people should have seen it. Yeah, I cried. I'm actually looking at my list... I've put in about five of the seven films that made me cry. I did How like many of the 156 made you cry? Probably about a third. I'm getting really bad as I get older. Really? Yeah, it's terrible. And on the, on when you from cry, the outset, you'd think... Do you think about the characters? Or do you think about your own life? It might be It might be something to do... Um, it's probably some self-pity thing. Okay. It might be to do with need to go to the loo or something as well. That is a problem. <laughs> Well, you don't want a to get up. Just, just straining. You're way out of your eyes. Isn't that what yes. you're saying? Of course. It's efficient, I guess. Um, so that's... How many is that? Three? Have you done three? Is that, well, I did the impossible as well, so I've done... That's that's three from me as well. Okay. My fourth film of the year. This is one I watched the other week. Um, this is where all the Oscar films are coming out. Is... Saving Mr. Banks. Ah, yes. Um, I'll just recap what that's about. It is the true story, based on, sorry, based on um, the true story of the author of Mary Poppins, P.L. Travers, and it's like a dual story of her life growing up and also when she has to go to America to deal with Walt Disney, played by Tom Hanks, P.L. Travers, played by Emma Thompson, Um she has to sign away the rights to Mary Poppins, but she has script approval, and Walt Disney needs the script approval from P.L. Travers, who is reluctant uh, reluctant to give it to him because he's worried that he will uh, destroy the film, which is uh, an allegory, really, for her life story of her problems with her alcoholic father. Obviously, Mary Poppins, there are no alcoholics, although... There is a Dick spoonful Dyke, of sugar. Dick Van Dyke's... Um, must have been almost drunk. <laughs> you love Tom Hanks, seemingly this year. Well, Tom Hanks is in a few, quite a few of these yeah. films. I mean, is Captain Phillips on your list? Yes, it is. Well, there you go. But um, and Tom, uh, Cloud Atlas. Cloud, as well. Atlas, Cloud Atlas has got Cloud Atlas has got Tom Hanks' worst performance of the year. Okay, playing an Irish criminal. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and also, oh, I'd say. 
I'll, go, I'll talk about Captain Phillips later on, but um, Captain Phillips is probably... He's going to get an Oscar for... Well, he might not because of 12 Years a Slave, but I think he will be. He'll get nominated for yeah. both, maybe. I, I, I haven't seen them, so uh, Cloud Atlas is the only Tom Hanks film I saw this year. Well, Save Mr. Banks is a good film to watch with a, a, a mum, or a, if you're all at home and you're bored and you have to watch a film with your parents or a difficult a grandparent, you've run out of conversation, Save Mr. Banks is the perfect film which you can, both, you can all enjoy and it will bring the family together. There's no, nothing really offensive in it, it's just a film that, that grandparents and young people alike will enjoy. Um, I'm going to say my next one, mm-hmm. uh, which is, again, one we've talked about recently, so we can brush over it fairly quickly, is Nebraska. Black and white, Bill Dern, Will Forte, um, father and son road trip, basically. But Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern, what did I say? Bill. Sorry. Bruce Dern, yes. Bruce Dern, who is uh, the old guy in it, he plays the father, but apparently he's the guy from uh, Silent Running. Yes. Yeah. Did you tell me that? No. Someone told me that. Um, I didn't recognise him. He looks a lot different. Yeah, well he's an old man now. Yeah. And he's got no no tiny robots around him. I only recognised him from the robots. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, it, it was uh, a surprise. I knew absolutely nothing about it, which was probably why I, I enjoyed it so much. But yeah, no, Nebraska. What else have you got? Uh, let's go on to Captain Phillips then. So Tom Hanks, second one. This is the another one based on a true story. Tom Hanks plays uh, captain of a freight um, ship, freighter. Yep. A freighter. A freighter. Yeah. Not a freight ship, a freighter. Yeah. He's a captain of it. Sounds pretty boring, right? What's his name? In the film... Yeah. Phillips. It's Richard Phillips. Oh, okay. I almost didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we talked about this. Whether it's called Filthy Lips or not. I remember. Um, And old Filthy Lips, Captain Phillips, just... It would be pretty boring until he gets taken hostage by some Somalian pirates and things just go from bad to worse. But it... It is not a black and white hostage taking film, as I talked about before. You yeah. have a, a more sort of rounder picture. Tom Hanks, it's really well filmed. It could have been. I saw the trailer and thought that I know what's going to happen in this film. You already know what's going to happen, the story, pretty yes. much. And it's still, it's still gripping, which says something for it. Is there something, and this will probably go nowhere, I've not given it any thought, but there is. there seems to be a feeling with, you know, people knowing more about other countries or certainly caring more about international countries that uh, portraying out-and-out evil Russians or out-and-out evil Chinese people or whatever like they would do in the 80s, Mm. 70s and 80s feels a bit off now. So I wonder if that's in part why people like superhero things so much because at least you have their aliens or their Mm. mutants or at least their baddies. They're not a nation which all the baddies tended to be in the past. Yeah, it's quite three it's more three dimensional now. Yeah. I think I think that is because of global awareness and people want to be liberal and you have to be sort Terrorists of aren't Nazis yeah. in storytelling terms. They're not, they're different. Because they're not as powerful. They're less powerful than you mm. and therefore it's a little less tasteful to just destroy them. <laughs> mm. Anyway, anyway. Just Tom Hanks makes it uh his emotions uh it's, it's interesting seeing someone play realistically play the emotions going through someone taking hostage 
and it isn't just oh, I'm scared, I'm uh, gonna cry. Isn't that in everything from you see? It's quite complicated. He is a relationship with these hostage takers that's constantly changing. Yes, their personalities within the group as well. The story isn't I must find a gun, I must shoot them all. Yeah, which is what this film would be in the eighties, actually. And I think what the, the what makes Captain Phillips an attractive film is that he is a normal man playing. He's not a hero. So where Bruce, yeah. it's, it's imagine an accountant being the Bruce Willis character and how he stress, how everything's much more stressful and he has to think on his feet more. It's a, a, a gripping, uh, re- real life thriller. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> um, well, that might be the place actually to bring up um, the lowest grossing film of the year. So the. T- the the, just to break in the middle of our the list. Highest gross is, grossing the highest grossing one. The highest and lowest. Now, yeah. highest grossing isn't in my list. I very much doubt it's, not it's in, in mine, your list. Yeah. Marek and I had a look on Box Office Mojo and thought it'd be fun to have seen the highest grossing film of the year and the lowest grossing film of the year. as a bit of an all-round view of what was out in films. The highest grossing film of 2013 was Iron Man 3. I thought it was a, a good bit of fun. Marek, you probably... Either didn't see it or hated it. I did see it, and I thought it was um, really average. Uh, I've seen so many action films that I can no longer judge them as a, as a separate entities. I see them; they all amalgamate into one. Yeah. Just I'm trying to find it in my uh, in my diary of what How I gave it. You gave it. it was at the start of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fairly early on, but the. Lowest grossing film uh, of the year was a British film uh, written by uh, Noel Clarke of uh, Kid Hood and uh, Doctor Who fame called Storage 24, which, according to Box Office Mojo, grossed $72 in cinemas. Um, so we watched it. <laughs> now, there's a film where... The I didn't even wa- I didn't even watch it. Did you not? Bother? I'm just all I'm doing is checking because I don't think Iron Man three. I, I remember to write down Iron Man three on my list of films I'd seen of the year. But you've definitely seen it. Yes, 157 I have. films. I've only seen 157 films. More now. than three a week. Incredible. That's the impression it gave. I didn't even write it down. Yeah. But anyway, storage twenty four. Ah, I thought it was a really nice idea to watch the lowest grossing film of the year and it was available on Blinkbox and I had to spend six ninety nine on it. Did you really? I just thought it was, you know, in the spirit of it all. God, I regret that decision. <laughs> I, I, I tried to watch it online. There was only bits on YouTube. Yeah. And I, I watched... Terrible um, quality. I watched um, two and a half minutes of it, so well, I can't tell. You it's going. credited as Idea by Noel Clarke and the idea is basically setting Alien in a in one of those self-store places. That's his idea. And that is what it is. And it's it's uniquely a vanity project because none of the other characters have any personality other than to feed Noel Clark's plot. How did the alien get into the storage thing? Someone uh, stored it as a plane alien? crash overhead. Oh, that had just happened when they yeah. were on YouTube. And it landed yeah. in it. But How did the alien get on the plane? Uh, it was being transported by... It was a military science plane uh, that regularly fly over central London. There's nothing worse 
And, you know, being... Being in pla- the flight path of military a, science. Yeah, place. when a plane's crashed, you know, and it can't get any worse. Yes, it can. Oh, it's a bloody military a, science plane. And, oh, the crates bust open. Oh, in this dark, locked building. Yeah, no, it's completely duff. Don't bother with it. <laughs> That's it. All I'm doing is going through year. my list. Trying to... Come on, wait, we're nearly through your seven. I'm trying to uh, find where I put Iron Man three. Well, I'm going to go to one and get it out of the way, go like, like a plaster being ripped off quickly from your wrath. Um, I enjoyed Thor two uh, simply because I hope the rest. We these superhero movies are inevitable, and I hope they go the way of Thor two, which had a sense of humour and was well made. Um, it was jolly good fun. Um, unlike a lot of them. So, Thor 2, I thought, was lovely. Okay, so here's my next one. We've already had Alpha Papa, Save Mr. Banks, The Impossible, Cladus, and Captain Phillips. There's two more left. The next one is Prisoners, which is with Hugh Jackman and Paul yes, Dano. I still haven't seen it. I remember you really liked it. Though. I really liked it. I've not really heard much, didn't make much of a splash. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, a thriller where um, Hugh Jackman and uh, another couple's children go missing when they start playing, Hugh Jackman automatically assumes that the um, the person who abducted them is a van, was with a person who owned the van on the, was parked on their road, played by Paul Dano, who specialises in playing sort of these creepy characters. Yeah. Um, and what ensues, uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal plays a detective, who is trying to find out what actually happened in the case. Uh, it's really good acting. Um, Hugh Jackman's really great in it. Jake Gyllenhaal, good in it. Paul Dano's really good. It's um, a good sort of detective thriller. You don't have to think too much. It poses a lot of questions about what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. And uh, as opposed to a normal sort of kidnapping film. And there's a few more layers in it, which I won't spoil. But um, I really enjoyed this. It was really well done. Maybe I was in the right mood for it. It hasn't really stuck with me as much as other films ha- have. When I, Some films you give marks for, the instant films you walk out of the cinema, yeah. they're great. Other ones, over time, like The Impossible, yeah. grow on you and you realise that's actually a, a great film. But that's I, I, I don't think one is better than the other in that regard. I think yeah. it's just different styles of films. Yeah, Some give you a really sort of great night out and then others are real posers and just sort of linger with your brain. I think that's... No, great. I, I will watch the Prisoners at some point. I will watch it. Um, one for me, Blackfish. Now, a lot of people have uh, spoken about Blackfish. I've not seen Blackfish. Blackfish. Tell me about it. Documentary about SeaWorld and... Uh, oh, okay. More specifically, the orcas at SeaWorld and uh, the treatment of them and the history behind them, where they got from, how they're all one family and the hushing up of... Uh, the orcas killing people and SeaWorld lying to their own employees when training them about what is normal behaviour with orcas. As an expose, as a whistleblowing thing, it's fascinating. As a documentary, it it's one-sided, which even if they are 100% right, there is no other side to this, you know, it still feels slightly uncomfortable at the end that you haven't listen to anyone even lying to you trying to give the other side of it but it is a fascinating expose of of just the treatment of animals in these things and lots of people have been talking about it this year because it, it is well worth seeing okay so oh, one more left how many left have you got one 
my last one, and I think, in retrospect, the film of the year... Smurfs 2. Smurfs 2. <laughs> Big Ball Smurf goes to Paris. Oh, I love it when they go to Europe. Um, no, it's not that. If it is a, with something got blue in it. It's blue is the warmest colour. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, French uh, love story about uh, centres on this young girl uh, um, played by, I can never say her surname, Adele Scripalopoulos. Yeah. Um, uh, who falls in love uh, with another girl and they have a relationship and it's just about the course of a relationship and the emotions in that. It's just a simple story but told so intimately. Uh, we talked about the fact there's a sex scene in there which does is the worst part of it, I think. But the performance of the main lead, if she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, and this should be up for best film, they probably put in the... I bet they put in the best foreign language film. Yeah, yeah. It's a real shame because it should be up there with the best films. Um, and she should get an Oscar. Maybe they'll both be up for Oscars. And then, once you've won an Oscar, you're allowed to play a superhero. Then they can go into making inane superhero films. Forevermore. But, uh, and what was great about this film, it was felt it was shot a lot, I said at the time, a lot of close-ups of the girl, not necessarily following the dialogue, but following the emotion of the scene which is a really nice way of seeing the direction of, of a film rather than just going from line to line to line. Yeah, yeah. So you see reactions all on her face and it was a, a, a brilliant film. I will track that down. Um, my last one, and possibly actually my favourite film in terms of impact of the cinema. Bum Monkeys. Bum Monkeys 4, The Ruining. Um, <laughs> no, that's not a film yet. Um, <laughs> you preferred that to Messy Jungle. I did. Messy Jungle just seemed like it was going through the motions. For yeah, me. okay. No, uh, it has to be Compliance, which um, technically, I think, came out this year in Britain. But um, incredible. Again, I knew nothing about it going in, and it blew my mind uh, and actually went too far. I thought, no, you. This is your story's gone too far now. You're getting grubby and then I looked up the real life events it's based on and beat for beat it is exactly what really happened and that mm. just blew me away um, it's a fantastic piece of filmmaking compliance, not comfortable make sure you're watching it with people that you're comfortable watching deeply uncomfortable things with because it is harrowing but it's fantastic. It was one of the films that has stayed, it didn't make my top 7 Almost did. It was on the list. It's it's, um, it's one one of my favourite films. That nearly there, but it's just a different. Someone wrote on our Facebook wall, and we'll go through what some of our listeners of their favourite films. Yes, they wrote it's quite an a, a difficult cinema experience. Yes, yeah. And that's um, good that's, to go. That's good to go to cinema. I have a different. Have not be really involved in. Well, in it's the, why I'm torn between compliance and the heat. And okay. I don't really know how anyone could really compare the two of them. <laughs> so incomparable, yeah. that I, I don't know. But, no, that's that's my last one, compliance. I would recommend it to anyone. Um, but what have our listeners been, uh, been recommending? What about the worst film? Do you want to even say the worst film? Worst film? You got a worst one? Yeah. Welcome to the Punch. Oh, okay. Yeah. My worst film of the year, Man of Steel. There we go. We don't even, we're not even going to nope, talk about it. We're not going to end on a negative. Don't go and see. Don't them. go and see those. 
Well, thank you, listeners, for um, writing in on our Facebook, uh, short notice uh, Facebook business. <laughs> yep. I mean, you've... you've uh, there's repeats of what we've said. There's a few calls for Rush, which neither, neither well, of us Well, should we mentioned. read them all out what everyone said? Sure. Um, I'm trying to get it on... Uh, trying to get it on. I'm trying to get my internet working. We'll alternate, and I want different accents for each. One of the funniest accents that I've started... I went to see the trailers the other day when I went to... Uh, well, I went to see a couple of films before Christmas. Yeah. Um, Idris Elba doing Nelson Mandela's accent. He had a funny voice. The man had a funny voice. It's, have you tried to do it? <laughs> no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Harry Enfield did it in uh, it Harry is, and Paul. Uh, my, I can't even do it properly. Mine's warped in my head, so I was trying to do it the other night. Go on, give, give us your Nelson. Nelson Mandela. No, That's I'm, Chinese. I'm trying to... You start off Chinese, yeah. and then you go South African from the Chinese. Is this respectful? <laughs> he wouldn't mind. He would like to laugh. He did like to laugh. It had been a long road to... No, that's Chinese. <laughs> it starts off Chinese, then it goes into South African. It had been a long road to that freedom. Is, that is it. It is more like that. that. I am almost getting there now. Nearly getting there. But your sound... You, you need to sound more nasal. I am trying to sound more nasal. It had been a long walk. <laughs> No, you're just, you're just uh, Peter Sellers playing a Chinaman. You sound like something out of Star Trek. <laughs> well, uh, we've covered ourselves in glory there, I think. Okay, well, let's... Um, I'm trying to find this... I've me... got it here. Why don't we read it? Okay, sure, it? sure. Okay. Um, so, this first one is from Lewis Where's Watkins. Quick, quick. Um, Clown Atlas wins it for me. Second place to Gravity. Interesting. For you to take turns, shall we? Sure. Yeah. Alistair Birch. Gravity. Best film. Harry Hill. Worst film. Chris Bolton. My top three will be The Way Way Back. Sorry, Marek. Mud. And Sunshine on Leaf. Worst film. Gangster Squad. <laughs> that was supposed to be this. <laughs> Go on. Uh, Ewan McInnes. The little-known Chilean film, no, was a highlight for me. Ben Painter. Alpha Papa. Excellent transition to the big screen. Gravity making 3D good. And bringing back the feeling of exciting films in the cinema from when I was young. A field in England. Interesting. And showing the future for small films. Uh, yep. Ian Smith. Uh, accents, accents. Alpha Papa. And Rush were my top movies. Also really enjoyed Flight. That's last year. Flight, I'm yeah. Ian Smith. That last year's Flight. Some of these are last year. No, I think Flight was this year. Christian Larkin, Gravity. <laughs> ben Robinson, what kind of question is that? The mug of time, obviously. Thanks, Ben Robinson. You kiss ass. That's a reference. That's my to... film I made, and it is the best film of the year. Which you would have seen on Film Fandango the live night we had. Also... You write Mug of Time into YouTube, you can see um, David's film. Gary Lee. The one direction film, quality. I think that's a joke. Um, <laughs> okay, what's this person's name? Ewan Catalyst Woody. That's not I-O-W, a real name. Catalyst Woody. It's probably from the Isle of Wight. Okay. What's that accent? 
Is it your accent? No, it's more country. It's more Portsmouth. You need more... I don't know. Mine is an Ardevo accent. Right. I only just watched the first Hobbit film, actually. Much, much better than I thought it would be. When compared to Lord of the Rings, I'd give it nine me's. Ryan Goodyear. Mud. Only God forgives and the untouchables. That shit be for real. Um, oh, he's from New Zealand. I admit it. Um, but the Untouchables would have been that came out in 2012. It's an amazing oh, okay. film. Only God forgives. That's a bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is from Alex Kendall, and he's posted twice. Um, 2013 best centric Frozen, amazingly catchy tunes. Best actual film, Mud. Guiltiest pleasure, The Lone Ranger. Mud's getting a few votes here. I thought I was the only one who saw it. It is. I, I didn't see it. Neither uh, of us did. No, we must watch Track Down Mud. Uh, Tom Arnold, Blackfish. Unbelievable documentary. Richard Bald, Best Gravity, Worst Man of Steel and Star Trek. Surprisingly good, Iron Man 3. Martin Olcock, Zero Dark Thirty. Ben Thomas Highton. Fast and Furious 6 was the best summer film for sheer fun and great action scenes. Hunger Games Catching Fire was the most surprising in that I hated the first film and the sequel was both smart and exciting. Before Midnight was probably my overall favourite of the year for two amazing lead performances from Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy and some unbearably raw scenes topped off with the kind of great ending these films are renowned for. I think we should rattle through them now. <laughs> We've got... Oh, God, there's still okay. loads. Uh, Brendan Stevens said he liked Captain Phillips, Gravity, Rush, also Cloud Atlas. I was disappointed with the Star Trek film. Janice Earls liked Star Trek. Jack Cooper says he wants to big up uh, compliance for an intense cinema experience, as we've talked about. Simon Sholtok, Alpha Papa, for him and Prisoners. And his daughter likes Despicable Me Too. That's supposed to be quite good, that. Robert Cullen likes Rush... Uh, a visceral insight into the 70s uh, for me when he says yeah Phil Greenwood likes no I even heard it another though. vote for no uh, Roy Lathwell good vibrations was quite good yeah I saw that uh, a, a hijacking Philomena and enough said he oh, picked yeah. out so lots of lots of different films there yeah I think Mud and No are two we ha- haven't seen we should probably track down, track down. But, um, yeah, I mean, what a year for films, eh? What a year for films. And also, uh, there's a few on there which did come out in 2012. It's tricky to tell, isn't it? Because uh, if you go with the premiere date or when they're released in Britain or... I mean, go for the UK. Here are other films that I saw. I actually saw 157, which I didn't write Iron Man 3 down. I can't believe it. Um, The other films I saw this year, which um, I recommend, are The Imposter, a documentary about a man who steals someone's identity... uh, to escape uh, being in Spain is a remarkable documentary. Okay. You'd enjoy it, David. Beast of Southern Wild, that was nominated for an Oscar last year, I saw this year. A Moor uh, and A Serious Man, they're all, uh, I think, Oscar nominated that I saw. They, they came out in the UK this, uh, this okay. year. But, um, they're all brilliant films. Uh, Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie, yeah. I thought was spectacular. Real Marmite film. If you don't like Tim and Eric, you'll hate that. And there's quite a few comments people accusing me of being a bit of a dick for liking that film um, The Hunter which is a really quiet film starring Willem Dafoe who's yeah. trying to track down the last sort of Tasmanian tiger I think yeah, it, is. it is I thought it was a beautiful film and I right. really stay with me I really, really love the film and uh, a low budget film we've watched recently Safety Not, Safety Not Guaranteed I really enjoyed that film 
That was great as well. So there are other films that weren't released this year, which are also very good. Great. Well, that's our rundown of 2013. We'll be back next year, next year, next week, <laughs> um, for the new year. Um, well, we'll be talking about the latest films we've seen, but hopefully some new releases soon too as well. But in the meantime, keep watching the films. We'll be back. Goodbye. Bye. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.